Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who often shows restraint in his comments, but really what he wants to say is this, quote, baby, it's a party as long as you're there. It's a party, party, party. Here's my co-host from the left coast and the party animal himself, Wayne Fugate. Hola, Benjamin. It's a fiesta. Fiesta. For this episode, we have a special guest, a fellow podcaster from Central Florida. Michael, I was going to ask you how to pronounce your last name before we started this, because I, I screw up last names all the time. Is it Citro? It is. You got it. All right. So, Because I, I only know him because he is Michael's record collection. You can find him on... Uh, on uh, all the platforms, YouTube, podcasting. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Michael Citro. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks, guys, for having me. How are we doing? Well, doing great. All right. Um, so premise of our podcast, fairly simple. We talk about music, but as we do at the beginning of each episode, I ask the all-important question. Let's start with Wayne. What T-shirt are you wearing? Uh, like I say, I went on a road trip. Uh, last couple weeks ago, is and this I, another Harley T-shirt? No, this, but it is another uh, micro. It is another craft brewery shirt. It's from North Spur okay. Brewing Company in Willits, California. Uh, nice place to have a, a frosty pint on a hot California, Northern California day. I don't know where that place is. Willit, where is Willit? It's off 101. I think it's south of the Redwoods, but before okay. San Francisco. Okay. All right. Michael, how about you? What t-shirt are you wearing? Well, uh, I came very close to also having a craft brewery t-shirt on tonight uh, from one of the wonderful local establishments here in beautiful Sanford, Florida. But instead, I went with uh, something I picked up on my recent trip to Charlotte when I went record shopping at uh, Repo Record in Charlotte, one of two record stores I went to. A really nice establishment and. um I'm sure they're not paying you for this spot, so I'll uh, leave it at that. They're 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 not. I did not go to Repo. What was the one that I went to? Uh, it was part of a antique store, but they have like half of the second floor. Um, and now I can't remember what the name of it was. But I did not go to Repo. I just ran out of time last time I was in Charlotte. So mm-hmm. good place to go. Yeah, it was good. I went there at a place called I believe it was called Lunchbox Records. Which was also okay. very cool. Very. Uh, the only problem with Lunchbox is they had so much stuff in there that I couldn't get to the music DVDs to to kind of thumb through them. Okay. Yeah. Too much inventory is a bad thing sometimes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> First world problems. All right. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, um, I was trying to find a connection to Boston because we're going to talk about Boston. So, so I'm wearing my drug. Dropkick Murphy's T-shirt. I've worn there it a few go. times on on this podcast. Um, you know they're they're the boys. The boys are back. They're 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 from Boston. So there's that. That's my connection to what we're going to talk about. I probably just did a spoiler alert, didn't I, Michael? Uh, it's your show. You can spoil it all you like. If somebody's already clicked on it, <laughs> chances are they've already read the title. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's absolutely true. All right. Well, let's. Uh, let, let's chat a little bit about Michael's record collection. So you've been you've been doing your podcast for what about a year now? 
Yeah, not quite. I started out doing a newsletter. Um, I lost my job during the pandemic. I got laid off, was out of work for a while, was having no traction getting back into the workforce. So I thought I'll just start like a Substack newsletter and see if that kind of takes off. And I started uh, writing about music, doing reviews, doing artist interviews and stuff like that. And I was doing my interviews on Zoom and I was recording them so that I could listen back to them and, and get the quotes. And I thought, why don't I just throw these things up on YouTube because I'm not able to use all these great quotes in the story. So I started doing that. And then it wasn't long after that before I started to say, well, I'm doing this. Why don't I just use the audio, put some clips in and make it a podcast. And uh, so we've been doing that for, uh, I think I started the podcast in early June, maybe. Okay. All right. Yeah, I saw I saw your what like twenty nine episodes in so far. Yeah, yeah. And um, I I had a little pod envy. Do you do you ever have pod envy as a podcaster? Oh, every time I look at someone else's followers uh, and see mine, I have pod <laughs> envy. Uh, but yeah, we got number thirty coming up this week with the Canels. Oh, very nice, very yeah. nice. Uh, what are they promoting? Like yeah, the new, new album coming out. Yeah, okay. new first record in twenty years. It's called Stedman's Wake, and it's really, really good. And I was able to talk to Mike Cannell about it uh, for about forty-five minutes or so last good. week. I'm really excited about that one. Very good. Um, I'm trying to re- what What's the name of the album that has seventy four, seventy five on it? That is called Ring. It came out in nineteen ninety three. Good album. Good album. I I know that I've got it somewhere. <laughs> I think I, I think I have it on CD still. In the R's. Um, or in the C's uh, probably. In I the guess. C's. In yeah. the C's. In the C's. Yeah. Um. Yeah. My 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 pod envy was uh, you had Brad Gillis from Night Ranger on for an episode. Oh, he was great. That was a that was a bucket list get with somebody from Night Ranger. So uh, I was a big Night Ranger fan back in the early days of MTV, and so getting. Getting Brad was great. I thought I'll just throw my hat in the ring and see who they give me, and I thought I'll get one of the yeah. new guys for sure. But no, I was I was happy to get one of the original three. Are you getting in good with some of the uh, the PR folks? Yeah, I think so. Um, they're they've been really good to me, and I'm I'm happy to. Uh, I, I notice when they start pushing people, I'll say okay, I'll 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 do a show on this guy, and that'll yeah. help me out later. So, yeah. Yeah, you got you got to play the game. We 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 played the game for a, a while, and um, and, and now I'm I'm saying no a lot more than I'm saying yes these days. It's a good it's a good problem to have, I guess. Yeah, talk about your first world problems right there. I, I know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, um, Wayne gives me crap all the time about the scheduling. It's it's. My my second least favorite thing to do as a podcaster. And, and now the, that I know I can black out <laughs> Saturdays, I, I'm just I'm, go knock yourself out. I've I've t- look I ah, created I created again. the Google spreadsheet so that both of us could edit. There was some edit. information left no, out. There was absolutely it's not full information. Full disclosure left. now. So this this careful. seems like this is going to happen every week now on the podcast <laughs> every week you and I are going to complain about the Google spreadsheet and no, what information I, I did or I'm did not promoting it I'm okay. I'm hailing it okay all right so what is the least favorite part for you editing yeah yeah, yeah for sure 
Yeah, editing and and the last several weeks, actually the last several months, um, it's been hit or miss. Ever since the Mark Bryan episode, that's that's going to be like Wayne's just kind of nodding his head. It that that episode is going to live in infamy for us, just because. It's rough. Uh, it it was Mark. Mark lives in the middle of nowhere in outside of Charleston, and uh, his internet sucked. Um, luckily I had a backup, uh, recording cause, but even that, even the backup recording was yeah. rough. And so I, I, spent I don't way... even edit and it gave me anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> Probably cause it, Wayne, you have to hear me complaining all the time about the editing process. Oh, I don't, I, I tune you out where you it's tune like me an old out. married couple. I don't, yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't even hear that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I think it's a lot easier. You're you're recording off of Zoom, right, Michael? Yeah, that's what I've been recording off of. So you I got would like only, to do better. Yeah, you've only got one channel to work work on, so mm-hmm. the editing is not. It's it's easier. Me, I'm. I guess I'm too anal about the editing process because I'm like always trying to. Uh, actually, I blame Wayne for this one. So I'm I'm always I'm always trying to like get the outside noise off of other channels out. Doesn't always work, but it started with Wayne's old dog, Jet would <laughs> would God rest her soul. Yes, God rest her soul. She would get into a lot of a lot of Wayne's track, and so I kind of just started messing around with that, and then. We started having guests on, and I would start messing with their channels a little bit, and now I'm, I'm, that's all I, yeah. It's my own <laughs> doing. My my wife tells me all the time, it's like, the only person that's really caring about that is you, and I'm like, yeah, you're probably, you're probably right. So, anyways. So you're you're a fellow Central Florida guy. We tried to we tried to meet up uh, a couple months ago for a show, but you um, you 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 had an interview that night that went went long. So I don't yeah, even remember I, who 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 was the interview. I think that might have been Walter Egan. There was some, there was one that went okay. really long. I was I was no, I know who it was. It was it was Shane Howard from the band Goanna, who was. Uh, uh, okay. Which was a an Australian band in the '80s. They had a minor hit here, but I absolutely loved the song and the album. I think you would love Shane Howard's uh, music because he's very um, inspired by Bob Dylan. He's in he's an Americana right. type, uh, so I think you would like it. And I had tried to get him for a while, and we had a few technical issues. I mean, he's on the other side of the world, and he was using some I don't even know what he was recording with, but it looked like he was on the the space station. Yeah. Yeah, that's that that's that's always the fun part of of this process of um you would think that that the individuals that we're talking to who are in the industry who use lots of tools to create their music, you would think that they would be more tech savvy. Most of them are not. No, they're not. Are you finding that are you finding that as well? Yeah, I had a, I had an interview a few weeks ago with Chips Enough, and I don't I don't know who it was. He had somebody actually doing doing the tech stuff for him and setting up the Zoom call okay. on his behalf. 
Yeah, we had Donnie. We had Donnie V on an episode, and the and I heard that were, show. There, there were a few technical issues on his <laughs> end too. So yeah, and Donnie, um, yeah, Don, I don't, I think Donnie had about four songs with the same score in that show. Mm. <laughs> um, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, there was a little bit of miscommunication between him and his people who were putting together the scores for him. Mm. We'll just leave it at that. That, yeah. was a, I, that actually ended up being more fun than I thought it was going to be, but it, uh, it was, it was a little bit of work as well. Um, did that, did that episode scare you off from reaching out to Donnie and having him on your podcast? No, I actually was, uh, I was contacted from a PR, a PR guy who, was handling the enough is enough box set and okay. just happened to represent chip. And I asked if, uh, you know, I asked for chip and, and got him. I didn't, I didn't necessarily, I wasn't anti Donnie pro chip. It was just the way it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. All right. All right. So, so who is, uh, who's the one get that you really want or, or give me, give give me a list of, of people that you, that you really want to have on your show. Well, I mean, Paul McCartney, <laughs> obviously, um, would be great. Uh, anybody go big from or go home, Michael. Okay, yeah. I get that. Yeah. Uh, for me, any of the the classic era Genesis guys would be bucket list guys. Um, Getty Lee or Alex Lifeson from Rush, um, David Gilmour. Obviously, these are all really huge um, names, uh, giants in the industry. Um, but uh, also... Uh, I mean, like getting one of the Canals was big for me. I used to love that record in the '90s. Uh, I played the crap out of Ring, and so that was a big get for me. I I was I've, I've been a little bit spoiled. I already have had uh, uh, Dennis DeYoung on, which was amazing. I was surprised that I was able to get him, but uh, I think um, you know some of the ones that I like are that I would love to get are, are progressive rock artists that I've like followed for a long time. Any of the guys from Marillion would be great. Okay. Uh, I did, I did reach out to their original uh, singer fish and he's just really not doing a lot of, uh, a lot of media these days. He's taking it easy. So uh, yeah. maybe I'll revisit that and bug him again here in a, another month or two when he might have something to promote. Yeah. Um, I know we've, we've got a lot of bucket list people and, um, we're, we're we're still waiting for some of those to to happen. Yeah. So all good though. Yeah. Part of the game. Yep. And and I we've we've had conversations before about Genesis and Rush and Marillion. You're you're more into the 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 the, the prog centric classic classic prog. Yeah, I did uh, a progressive rock radio show for 10 years um started at a station called the dividing line. And then I moved it over to progrock.com, which is still an ongoing uh, online radio station. So I was, I was listening to almost nothing but prog for a good 10 years fan. Um, but uh, I, my taste leaned towards uh, progressive rock, a lot of classic rock, eighties music, eighties uh, pop. Um, but I have a pretty, pretty wide taste. I'm not a big hip hop guy. I'm not a big um, 
country guy, but I, I do find stuff in that genre that I can enjoy. So, uh, and, and rap is pretty much out. Even, even, uh, even the rush song with rap in it, uh, roll of bones is uh, not one of my favorites. Gotcha. I was listening. I, what's your, what's your take on? Yes. Big fan of yes. Uh, I like, okay. yes. I, in fact, I like their new tracks, even though there's, a lot of new guys and a lot of the old guys are not in the band anymore and or some have passed on, but uh, I really have enjoyed the new track. So I'm looking forward to the new album. I had Billy Sherwood on for one of his other projects on um, early on in this uh, endeavor. So I had him on like one of my first five shows Billy Sherwood was on. All right. So I was listening to Tormato or Tormato, <laughs> however you want to pronounce that, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, I guess that that was the last one with John Anderson for a couple. Yeah, he was out for a while, and then he came back. Uh, there was there were two incarnations of Yes running around. One was called Anderson, Bruford, Wakeman, and Howe, yeah. uh, which was essentially Yes without Chris Squire, only under a different name. Um, but yeah, he was out for a little bit, and then he came back in. And of course, he came back in and made nine oh two one oh. Nine hundred two one five. I always get those two confused. I, I always get. I always. Screw, I always <laughs> screw it up. There's. There's a big difference between um, Luke Perry and um, and uh, Jason Priestley and and that album. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I screw it up as well. All right. Well, um, you ready to jump into the record that you chose? I'm ready. All right. So so tell us what record you chose to revisit for this episode. All right. Well, when when you and I first um, spoke and I had you on my show, um, I think right after that, I gave you a list of like, I don't know, eight or 10. I said, I'll do any of these because I didn't know which ones you had done and which ones you maybe had promised to other people. Yeah. So one of the ones on that list uh, was Boston Don't Look Back. That's it. And that is an album that I had um, when I was a kid. I, of course, we grew up in the Midwest, so by law, you had to listen to Kiss albums, and you had to buy Kiss albums, um, and, you know, I'm a law-abiding citizen, so, of course, I had Kiss Alive, uh, but the first studio album that I bought, and I say bought, but really what it was was uh, being in a department store and, and telling my mom, hey, can I have this, please? Can I please have this? I've been really good. I got good grades. Uh, she got me Don't Look Back, and I played the heck out of that, and now we had a department store with this little record kind of area in the front corner and had a, had a, um, a pong machine. So you go in there and play pong and look at the records. Now it didn't have right. very big record selection. So I went in there looking for a Boston album and I didn't see the first Boston album, but I hadn't really heard much from the new one yet. So I was like, well, I'll just get the new one. Cause everybody I know, has the other one so now i'll be the guy that has the new one and everybody will have to come over to my house and listen to to this one and i loved it so much i just played it every day over and over i wore that thing out it had one little minor skip in used to bad news and i got so used to that little skip that when i got it on cd i was like where's where's my skip (laughs) right right yeah we when when i told wayne that you had picked don't look back i think both of our both of our uh, reactions were michael's got some splaining to do 
Well, you know, this way, if somebody wants to do the first one, I wasn't the one. I wasn't the jerk who took it from them. Okay. Uh, okay. But I, I really love this album. I I like it as much as the first one. They're they're very wow. much they're very much equal in my mind. And I know that's going to tick off some people, but you know, I think a lot of it has to do with this was my first album that I owned from them, and I think that yeah. you kind of have an affinity for it and. I lived with this album for years and I played it every day and, and it just became part of my life. Sentimental, sentimental reasons. Nostalgia. It's real. It's a real it, thing. It is. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, th- just the fact that you're saying, I don't hear the skip on the CD. I mean, that, that, that's nostalgia 101 right there. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm glad you were able to explain why you chose this one over the, over the first one. Um, we did talk about uh, the, the, the first one um, somewhat um, when we did our, our episode about 1976 albums. I did listen to Third Stage a few weeks I ago. I did also. I listened to it just pre. Yeah, I just listened to them in order. Uh, or I listened to the one. I listened to Don't Look Back. Then I listened to the first record because I thought it's this is it's this is it's got a Boston sound, and then I listened to the first record, and I'm I'm sorry, nostalgia is fogging your mind because their first album <laughs> is hands down five million times better. Um, it's 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 insane. Well, and you know what? The third album I had never given an entire listen to. I'd heard the singles. Um, I remember it being long awaited. I mean, I think it came out in '86. And yep. so it was a long time and I, I think it's better. So but I also don't have the connection. I'm not going to, I'm a big kiss fan. So I understand what, how I understand how nostalgia works. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's, let's talk about the, 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 the span of the eight years between this one and third stage. Cause part of it was they were in a, in a legal Lawsuit. battle yeah. with yeah. with their record label, with Epic. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I from what I gleaned, and and Michael, you can jump in here. You probably you probably have the history better than I do. This album was was the label pushing them to release it because the first album was so huge. They wanted to capitalize on that. And they didn't feel like it was ready. Yeah, Tom Scholz said that the album wasn't ready. Uh, CBS, Epic was a, a subsidiary. They they wanted a, a hit album for that quarter. They wouldn't have ever admit this, but they, they needed a hit album. They figured, well, the first album did so well, we're probably going to at least get a good chunk of that kind of that kind of purchase power out there for this album. So they basically took this album unfinished from Tom Scholz and put it out. And, and Tom will tell you to this day, it's not long enough. Didn't have enough songs. Um, it wasn't done. I would have liked to have worked on it longer, but, uh, they said, no, we, we want it now. And, uh, and that's what led to them, the falling out with the record company, the lawsuit that he eventually won his lawsuit yep. and took the, uh, took the band onto MCA uh, call it a band, right. but Boston, except for when they toured, they weren't really a band. It was really Tom Scholz doing almost everything. 
uh, with Sid Hashian as the, the drummer and Brad Delp as the vocalist. It was, it was and, I, and I had heard that the only two people who signed as Boston to Epic was Brad Delp and Tom Scholes. Those are the only people who signed on as Boston when they got a record contract. Mm, yeah, so it was, you know, they, this nice band picture on the uh, on the back of the album, but it it really was Tom calling the shots. And in fact, Barry Goudreau said that they thought going into Don't Look Back, they would have more input, they would play on the album more. But but Tom took it into his uh, his hideaway studios in his basement and you know, slaved over it and he dubbed guitar over guitar over guitar. You know, the way he does it. I, I heard a great, yeah. I read a great line. I can't remember where I read it. It was something to the effect of, uh, um, if Phil Spector builds a wall of sound, Tom Scholes builds cathedrals. <laughs> that's, that's probably pretty accurate because I, I, so I'm looking at the credits. We've already mentioned Brad and Tom. You mentioned Barry and, and Sib as well. Uh, let's throw out Fran Sheehan's name as well because he he's he plays bass on on this. Um, well, he's credited with bass. I mean, let's mm-hmm. let's be honest. Tom Scholz probably played most of the bass lines as well. Yeah, he played but, partly. Fran played partly, partially on one song, but I, I couldn't even tell you which one it was. Yeah, and and. So I'm looking at the credits, and I'm like, all right, so is Sib doing some of the harmony vocals? Is Fran doing some of the harmony vocals? That's pretty much all Brad, right? Yep. Yeah. So how, how many channels are we talking of Brad harmonies? Because on some of these, it sounds like it's Brad and maybe six or seven other Brads behind him. Yeah, again, you know, Tom builds cathedrals, and they just keep layering <laughs> stuff on top of each other, and... Yeah. And it, he, it's amazing. It, it's amazing how much he got in his little home studio doing this. And you think of this, you know, bands get signed to record labels. They usually are set, you know, sent to, you're going to go to Bearsville studio with this producer and he's going to take care of you and he's going to produce your record. But that was never the way uh, it worked with Boston. And with Tom Scholes, it's funny because, they call Boston corporate rock, but there's nobody that's less corporate than Tom Schultz. Right. Right. Well, it's corporate rock from the standpoint of the sound, the sound. But yeah, absolutely. Right. Tom Schultz that I love, I love the caper on the first, the record. They, they wanted it recorded in a big studio with the producer and he sent the whole band out to LA and he still worked on it all in his basement. They just did Brad Delb's vocals and the record company was none the wiser. Like that's yeah. rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I know there's a lot of talk about well this is a letdown from f- first album. Is it though? I mean f- the, there's yeah, a lot it of is. Okay, well there's a lot of really good songs on this, but I'm I'm talking is it a letdown commercially? Um it's not. I mean the album was a number 1 hit. The the title track did reach the top 5 uh, on the singles chart. It sold over four million copies in its very first month of release, and I think that it sold what seven or eight million copies by the time it's all said and said and done. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not a disappointment. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a disappointment necessarily, but like I say, a lot of this uh, is also when you in 1976 and 1977, 1978, when you waited two years, that was like. 10 years. You were supposed to have a record out next year. So everybody just came off of this 
unbelievable album that everybody had. I mean, they sold what twenty seven million or something like that of the first album, yeah. or at least at to this point. Yeah. So, for I mean that in comparison, it is. But yeah, but you had people starving for the next Boston record, and yep. so a lot of it is in that. Yeah, somehow some bands were putting out two albums a year back in that in that time period. But uh, to get to your point, it's it's only a disappointment if you if you bring in a rookie slugger, for example, and he hits a hundred home runs in a season, and then the next year he only hits fifty five. That's still a heck of a lot of home runs. It's just not a hundred. So I will say this, Michael. I think that you will be happy to know. So I I have I now have four Boston albums in the collection. And I also, and I also bought a few few weeks ago. I bought Return to Zero RTZ. Mm, okay. So that's uh, that's Brad Delp and, and Barry Goudreau's band from I don't know early '90s, and it's and it's actually really good. That's a good album. My third favorite Boston album is Orion the Hunter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was another that was another project from Barry. And uh, yep, yep. boy, it, it's it's a really great album. It should have been much better. What was what was the hit off of that? It's called So You Ran. That's what it was. So You Ran. Yeah. That's good good tune. Good tune. Yeah. All right. You guys ready to do this? Yeah. Let's go track do it. by track. Yeah. All right. So as a reminder, our scoring is based off a number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on this one? Eight. You hear the glee in his voice, Michael? Yeah, I just listened to one with eight. That was uh, you guys did uh, Springsteen's "Born to Run" with eight. Yeah, yes, we did. Yes, we did. All right, so uh, that means our top song is going to get eight points. Next favorite song, seven points on down to low score of one. So we're going to kick this off with "Don't Look Back." And uh, just FYI, side one songs are all credited to just Tom Schultz. Um, and uh, I already mentioned this was a this was a uh, a top five hit, peaked at number four for them. Michael, get us started. What what do you what do you what do you like about this? I like everything about this song. If you get up in the morning and you're tired and you're driving to work, you pop this CD in. And it's going to wake you right up. It's positive. It's got a, it's, it's, I look from the beginning, the tambourine shake, it's beginning. Everything about this song is a hundred percent great. I love the pristine production. I know it's, uh, it's a little too clean for some people. They like their, their rock and roll a little dirtier, a little more garage bandy, but I like the pristine production, the guitar harmonies. Um, it's such a positive song. It gets you going. It's got a fantastic guitar solo. I think Sib has some really cool little drum fills in this song. They're a little unexpected or unusual. 
Uh, I love the subtle change in the lyrics when they go back to the first verse and repeat it when they change. It's been too long since I felt this way to it's been so long since I felt this way. Um, Brad Delp's lead vocal and like you talked about layering the vocals on top of that the, with the harmonies is fantastic. It's got a great build up and it reaches a crescendo near the end. And then you just get that riff, that guitar riff again and the tambourine. And then they and then just Brad Delp's out. Don't look back. And you know, it's just perfect. It's if you haven't figured out, it's my eight. <laughs> there we go. All right, out, straight out of the gate there. All right, Wayne. Anything on "Don't Look Back"? And I initially thought that this is the best song on this record. The first few times I listened to it, and I, but it's because it sounds like more than a. It sounds too much like more than a feeling. But this one, I would say. It feels like he got all the time he wanted with this one because this one does have, and whether it's slick or glossy, it is much more like the first record. And it is, I think it's a great way to start. I heard it was the last song they wrote that went on the record, but I think you open up with something that the people who've waited two years for the next Boston album are going to instantly recognize as Boston and can grab onto. I, I think... That's it, a great way to start, and it is. And and like I say, over listens to the record, I did start to attach to some of that stuff that I think he didn't get enough time, or as much time as he would have liked, to layer more stuff on and and, and gloss it up. Uh, but it is, like I say, this is a Boston song, and and it sounds finished and exactly like Tom Scholz wanted it to sound. Yep. All right, I mentioned that this was uh, this peaked at number four. You guys want to hear um, what what blocked it from number one spot? Tell me. All right, number three was "Hot Child in the City" from Nick Gilder. <laughs> Some Nick Gilder. That is a that's a good tune. All right, "A Taste of Honey" with their with Boogie Oogie Oogie was number two, which um, "Taste of Honey" will. Jeez. Uh, ridiculous all right um and then the number one song let's see if let's see if you can do movie association with this one so it's kiss you all over from exile saturday movie night association saturday night fever no much no. later much later. happy gilmore happy gilmore oh oh happy gilmore do you remember that scene where he's I, he's sing, he he's singing "I want to kiss you all over" in the into the intercom and some that old lady, yeah, the old old lady shows up in his apartment. Anyways, till the night closes. I bet our friend Gomez over at the Playlist Wars would have gotten that. Oh, he he would have totally got it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was totally got it. All right, this is my six, Wayne. Also, my six. I don't like the fact that Wayne and I are going to share a lot of scores on this one. It's never that's never a good thing. All right, and Michael, you already mentioned this is this is top dog for you. All right. Yep. Uh, next up is the journey, and I always put in sound clips. I don't know if I'm going to put a sound clip in for the journey. It's only a minute forty six seconds. It's really a bridge instrumental. You know, I have a hard time even calling it a track because, well, but it is. You know, it's a. It, I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm basing it off of the CD. The CD <laughs> says it's track number two, so we're we're scoring this one. So, yep. anyone got this more than one? No, 
Uh, it's my my one for sure. It's uh, because yeah. you mentioned it's it's more connective tissue than song. But Tom Scholz loved this piece. He said it was his favorite his favorite song on the first three albums, and wished he'd had time to make it longer. He's, uh, that's that's that is that's, absolutely that's, a lie. I'm gonna have to. That he is I'm no way he have to argue. It. I don't believe him. <laughs> he want he he wanted to make it longer. He said it had it was like. Uh, he described it as, uh, and quote, I'm floating through space, cruising in an airplane over the clouds. So uh, it is very spacey. Yeah. Um, I, I think it would have been, I think it would have fit really well on third stage because third stage has a few of those tracks like that where it's, it's sort of connective tissue and, and a little spacey. Uh, but that already had enough instrumental bits on it, so maybe not. Um, I gave this my low score, not because I don't love it, because I do enjoy it. It's just, not a proper song. It, right. It's too short um, for you know any kind of standalone instrumental. And I can think I I do agree that it has this great spacey sound to it, but it doesn't. It's supposed to link the one. Um, Don't look back with. Uh, it's it's easy. easy, and it doesn't have any like like foreplay to long time. That works perfectly. That's that's how you do this. And so for him, for it has nothing that 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 resembles either of those two songs at the beginning or the end. And it's 146. I mean, take some more time, you know, draw it out from one song and get into the spacey part and then kind of, you know, float into it's easy, but it's, it doesn't make any sense. It, there's, there's just no reason for this. The record wasn't finished. Wayne. No, absolutely it not. Finished. It needs at least yeah, three more songs. He said, I heard I read him say, <laughs> read him, that he one. wanted one. He said one. I think it yeah. needs three yeah. more and throw this in the on the cutting room floor. Yeah. All right. So I posted I posted yesterday on net on uh, Twitter that I was listening to this to finalize my scores. So one of our followers, Joseph Maya Oko, I'm probably slaughtering your name, Joseph. My apologies. But he said my favorite take on on uh, the, the these Boston albums. So, you guys know who Paula Shear is? So, Paula, Paula, Paula is a well-renowned um, graphic designer. She designed um, pretty much anyone that was anyone back in the 70s. She helped design those album covers, whether it was Cheap Trek providing the uh, typography for some of the, the Springsteen albums. She is credited for designing the, these boss, the first two Boston albums. And her take on this was, yeah, unfortunately I'm going to be known as the person, and this will probably be on my tombstone. I'll be known as the person who designed those <laughs> Boston albums. So She's she's not very fond of uh, her input on the typography and um, the design of those those albums. So that's too go. bad. I love these album covers. In fact, I mean, I was a big sci-fi geek as a kid. Still am. Anything having to do with space travel, I kind of like the way that they told a story, or, or at least in my mind, they told a story. Like the first Boston album is these ships. There's like you see about a dozen of them all told of these cities right. flying away from an exploding earth. And then on the don't, yes. don't look back cover, it's, it's found this planet with these huge crystalline sort of structures. And in my mind, 
this is it's got the three spotlights coming down. It's looking for a place to land. I I still have a hard time differentiating between the two the the first two covers because I d- is is don't look back even on the cover. No, but it's the one with the green uh, grass, not, right? Not. I okay, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Any I I always get those two confused. And in fact, I think I posted a few months ago. I posted the the CD covers, and I'm like, I'm listening to Don't Look Back, and somebody goes, No, you're listening to the yeah, first Boston album. That might have been me. You know the thing. <laughs> the the thing is the this album was originally supposed to be called Arrival, but ABBA right. had just put out a, an album called Arrival, uh, and it I makes more sense. The the artwork. Right, the artwork makes more sense because they have arrived at this new planet. The spaceship has arrived at this planet, and um, yeah, it's it's not uh, it, it doesn't make as much sense when you get to "Don't Look Back" uh, instead of "Arrival." There. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. Next up is "It's Easy." Is anyone okay? You guys, you guys have mentioned that you've listened to Third Stage. There are a few mm-hmm. moments in this song that I feel they later used for Amanda off of Third Stage. Anyone else catching that vibe, or yeah, was it just well? Me? And like I say, I know what you're talking about. Um, what I, one of the things I like about the song is the tempo changes. They just do them too quick. Yeah. They they come too fast. Um, I feel like they could have drawn that out and. And gave us because it makes it seem fast. But I will say this: Brad Delp, he sells this like he is. There's an impassioned nature. Like this guy, like every song he sings, you. It seems like he lived it. Like he felt it. He really can can do that. It's the unfortunate part about it is reading the lyrics. He's not saying anything. He's he very much loves nothing at all. But I, he says it so convincingly. Well, all right. So I knocked this down a, a couple points just from so the lyrics of I can show you the way. It's just a game we play. It's easy taking it day by day. <laughs> I mean, that's it's so it's it's very primary um, in, in, in the rhyming scheme. And obviously, Tom Schultz does not live with an adult autistic son because, yeah, it's not always easy taking it day by day so um i appreciate the sentiment tom but um what's funny is that that line when he (laughs) sings that it has this very 70s sitcom type like mary tyler moore one day at a time it really has a very 70s sitcom kind of theme song to it and just that one spot okay yeah just just in that one spot though yeah I like the upbeat nature of this song. I think it's uh, just like Don't Look Back. And and most of this is a very positive album, which is kind of a sad juxtaposition when you consider 
that is sung by a man who later took his own life. Um, yeah. Brad Delp's harmony, the, the, his, his main vocal and his harmony vocals together are amazing. Everything Delp does touch, uh, touches is gold on this album. Um, it, the lyrics are a little basic, but I do like the line, I won't mind if you should find that you're in love with me. It's kind of an interesting way to say it. And it might have the best, it might have the best guitar solo on the album when those, when those harmony uh, layers kick in. It just is beautiful. Yeah. And I like the little instrumental break when it slows down too. Yeah. All right. Um, what you got for a score, Michael? I gave this my seven. I would say my I'm weighted probably heavy towards the first side because I used to play the first side probably two times for every time I played the second side. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, Wayne, your score? Uh, four. Not matching your four as well. Are you guys are staying on all of them so far? I I know I don't I don't like it. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, next song is uh, a man I'll never be. longest song on the record it's six minutes 37 seconds uh does make an appearance on their greatest hits and this one this one inched up this is this is my top dog um i uh this is your eight this is my eight uh the more i listen to it the more i kind of fell in love (laughs) i'm not i'm i'm really not (laughs) oh man okay I mean, I I did have "Don't Look Back" as my top song um, up until my my listen yesterday. Uh, so so tell me why I'm high, Wayne. What's uh, wrong with this song for you? Well, number one, like I say, there's this this overly self deprecating kind of theme in it, which to me it struck me right off because most all other Boston songs, there's a confidence. They're not all happy necessarily. Um, uh, the, I, even the one later towards the end of this record, but there's still always a confidence in it. There's a, this just sounded, you know, wishy-washy and, and very, yeah, overly self-deprecating. Um, and it's, it starts out, it kind of gets into a Boston groove. It kind of starts out with something that doesn't sound as, as, as much their sound, which isn't, isn't, it doesn't work. Uh, but yeah, and I will say it is impossible not to love those spacey guitar solos. Uh, those things love are, them. Those are the highlight for me. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. it just lacks. There's a confidence that most Boston songs have, you know, and this and it, this one lacks it. I, so I like it from the lyrics. I know that you say it's a little self-deprecating. It is, um, but I like I like that there is. If you look in the 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 lyrics of a man i'll never be you you know it you can i i like the fact that you can take this interpretation two different ways that it, it could be he's never going to measure up or 
or he, that, that self-deprecating thing that you're saying, Wayne, where he's like, eh. Why don't, not measuring up is self-deprecating too. He's not only is he not going to measure up, he is aware of it, uh, which is sad in and of itself. You're not supposed to realize you're supposed to try harder. Um, so I, I, I just right. disagree so, with you on this one. So, I, I just so, can't believe so, this is your top song. I don't so pre tequila's kicking pre therapy. Well, where would this have, where would this have stacked for you? Cause na- this you're speaking like somebody who is enlightened and has been through you know, several oh, years of therapy. N- once again, that, well, the second part of that is true. Uh, I don't know about the first part, but I am much more of a used to bad news guy. Like that song to me is, it's got a resilience in it where he, he, you know, he's got a very, this always happens to me, bad things happen to me okay. kind of a feel to it. But he, but he has, there's a sense of resilience in it. Like that's not going to stop me. That's not going to get me down. I'm not going to, even though this happens to me time and time again, I'm going to I'm going to keep going. This song completely lacks that. Michael, we have dominated the conversation on this one. <laughs> yes, you have. But that's okay cuz it's your show. I I think for me, I didn't see it as a self-deprecating lyric. I saw it as you want me to be this one guy, but that's not who I'm I am. I'm this other guy and I can't be this person you want me to be and this isn't going to work and that kind of sucks cuz I would really like this to work out. That's kind of the way I saw it. Uh, I love Brad's voice on this song. It's probably his best singing with Boston, maybe in his whole time with Boston. Um, I like the way he changed his approach to those recurring lines when he sang uh, A Man I'll Never Be and the way he he altered uh, Cry a Little Longer and Hold a Little Tighter. Um, Again, the vocals, the the organ in this song is tremendous, especially near the end before it gets that that quiet part. Uh, And even the piano. So like, Tom Scholz did all of that instrumentation. Um, uh, It hurts for me to give it the score that I gave it because I think it's a pretty good, pretty good song. I I don't, I think there are are several eights on this album and that's one of them. Gotcha. All right. What's your score? I gave it my five. All right. Wayne. Deuce. Wow. You're ridiculous. Now who's high? <laughs> yeah, you're high. Deuce. You've had way too many vodkas tonight. All right. I don't drink. All right. Time, time, time to flip the record over. This is feeling satisfied. Also a Tom Schultz only pen song released as a single. Um, didn't crack the top 40, peaked at number 46. And it was their last single until Amanda. 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 Yeah. Um, so I'm just throwing this out here. This is my seven. I give it, I give it extra points. I give it, I give it extra points over Don't Look Back for, for hand, the claps. hand claps. I'm not even for sure the they're real claps. hand claps, though. That's the thing is, even, <laughs> they might not be. even artificial hand claps are still, you can't not like them. Uh, I love the aggressive guitar intro. This feels like some of that, 
it not as it doesn't feel as glossy. There's a there's something more raw to it. Um, it does it does remind me a lot of uh, Smokin' and Rock and Roll Band, which are absolutely my fa- two favorite Boston songs. Uh, it's but I all but I think it's thematically is what I is what gave me is what put it over my second favorite song, and that's this idea that you know songs used to be. Up into up into the '80s, rock and roll or music in general was gonna save us. That's all you need, and that's um, and I know there's been times in my life then that's actually been true, and it seems like that's that's not a theme in songs. I, I think the best example of it is uh, "Spirit of Radio," um, but this is this and this is no "Spirit of Radio," but it's right up there with that kind of theme where rock and roll is all you need. Just listen to the rock and roll. Uh, God gave you rock and roll to you, whatever the case may be. It's all, they don't write songs like that anymore. And this, uh, I felt that listening to this. Greg Kim. (laughs) Well, Greg Kim uh, line there (laughs) from you. That's right. Uh, 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 all right. Um, scores, Wayne. Score. Oh, I, this is my, it's my eight. That's like, say it's less glossy. It does have, um, like, maybe Tom Schulz would have liked to take a couple more uh, shots at it, but uh, it's to me, it's perfect the way it is. All right, Michael. Uh, I I didn't get to really say anything about this, so I'll say it now. Um, I I agree with Wayne's take on the lyrical content. I love this passage. You've got to have a little rock and roll music to get you through the stormy weather, and do whatever you feel when you let go. Nothing's going to help you more than rock and roll how true that is. Amen, bro. And then I, I also love the line, don't let your troubles get to you because win or lose, it's all right. It's another upbeat song. It's another positive song on this record. That's why it's a great morning record. It just, you, it's, if you're in a crappy mood, throw this on in the morning and, and it'll it'll go away. Uh, it's also a, a nice return to, uh, you know, the energy of this song is great after the, the closing of side one is a little more uh, morose at the end. Uh, but I love the vocals here. Obviously, Delp does these little vocal runs, uh, that little soft, ooh, are you feeling satisfied? I mean, he's got to do that run in there. Um, it, it just kind of picks you up. I give this my six. Okay. And I'm right between the two. Yeah, I'm, this is my seven. All right. Next tune is Partey. Credits go to Tom and also Brad Delp on this one. Um, I mean, I think that we already talked about the theme of rock and roll and and partying. That's pretty much the song, right? Is there anything else to it? Yeah. Uh, no, it's just a, yeah, it's all a about, good time song. Yep, high energy, just fun, just supposed to be fun. Yeah, party. Nobody cares what we're doing here. Nope. Can't play the music too loud. 
Uh, I will say, but musically, this one has a little bit of bluesiness to it. Um, it has a little swagger. It has, you know, it has overt sexual innuendo. Um, it actually reminds me a lot of another band out of Boston uh, by the name of Aerosmith, at least, especially initially. Um, I, not that I could hear Steven Tyler doing this, but there's definitely something different to this song. This is one song that sounds the least Boston-like of all of them. And, but I, I think that's good. I mean, this is your second album. We're into the second side. And here's a song that may not sound to somebody like I, you wouldn't normally pick this as a Boston sound. I think Joe Perry is a very underrated guitar player. And this uses a little more riff based stuff like he does um, instead of the chords. But like I say, it's got a bluesiness to it and a swagger and, and a little bit of sexiness. There's not enough innuendo for this to be a Aerosmith song. No, that's what I'm saying. They, it's Boston. They, they, right. they, they did I'm their best right impression. In the groove. That's about as innuendo as you get for this song. Um, it's not your big ten inch. No, no, Stephen. Yeah, Tyler that, they, Aerosmith doesn't have innuendo. They just have overt. Oh, yeah, it's just overt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, um, this is my two, Wayne. Oh, this is my seven. I like I say, this is another song that just was fun, and like I say, it also sounds, it has a, a rawness to it. Like um, they didn't, you know, they didn't put a lot of extra, you know, all of that technical stuff that that Tom Scholz is is Im- very impressive. At a brilliant man, he's, yeah, I mean, a number of patents on um, musical, you know, des- and design and stuff. So they, this one just has a little more raw to it, a little dirtiness to it. All right, Michael. Uh, I had I had this even with another song, and what what broke the tie was that that line didn't hold up real well. Where he sings, uh, "A woman got to have it if the truth be known." Uh, I gave it my two. <laughs> they uh, do. I will give it the the one. The what kept it from being my favorite score is too many babies. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of babies in this. Mm. There's a few honeys in there too. So don't forget those. <laughs> All right, um, used, used to bad news is next. This is Brad Delp only for the songwriting credits for this one. How many songs in the discography are credited only for Brad? Oh, I don't know the answer to that question, but it's probably not a lot. It's not. It's not many. Um, i i can't I can't look at I can't look at this used to bad news without thinking bad news bears. <laughs> Again, I'm going back to the Mr. movie Mad association. I just said, uh, yeah. Breaking training. Yeah. Um, Mike, yeah. Michael, what do you got on used to bad news? Uh, this used to sort of be my anthem. Um, I was the kind of kid that kind of wallowed in, in the dark times, like if a girl didn't like me or whatever, and I kind of wallowed a little bit. And 
like Elton John saying, sad songs say so much. I would kind of just get in there and it hurts so, it feels so good to hurt so bad. I would just kind of embrace it and kind of dive into this one. Um, this, I talked about the skip that I had in my original copy yeah. uh, that uh, during the instrumental break, I kind of missed it when, when I got the CD. Uh, Schultz does these little Hammond organ runs in this song that are, I think, a very underrated part of the song. Um, Brad Delt played acoustic guitar on this, and, and Barry Goudreau actually played a lead run, uh, a lead guitar part on this, which is uh, Tom Scholes, like absolutely relinquishing control for him. Um, <laughs> he, likes to, he likes to craft it the way he wants it, but the guitar solo, the organ, the bass playing, everything is so well crafted here, and I love this, this line, if you're leaving... Leave me like a friend. I, I always love that line. Yeah. Wayne, did you just crack open another Corona? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Podcast juice. I, well, I'm, I, here, here's the unfortunate thing, Michael. This is only eight songs. If this was 14 songs, we'd really get the best <laughs> of Wayne. That's true. So That's true. <laughs> We want to start third stage right immediately right after this. Maybe on the fly. Maybe we should do third stage right after this. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> Wayne, anything on used to bad news? I, I I absolutely I just like Michael said, that that lovable loser, uh, that's my jam. I I understand it backwards and forwards. I think vocally and lyrically and thematically I love this song, but I have a different feeling than he does on those those guitar interludes and those keyboard interludes, I don't think they match up and they they took my score down. I don't think those parts, it was it was the instrumentation in between the vocal parts that I didn't like. Did you just quote Little River Band? Did you, were you saying something about uh, It was unintentional, loser? but. Okay. Lovable loser, not lovable loser. loser. Okay. All yeah. right. Have you well, heard, they, lovable have you heard about loser. the lovable loser? Queen of clubs every time. Oh, I don't remember what the lyrics are now. <laughs> queen of hearts every time. Beat by the queen I'm of sorry. Hearts. I'm a tangent boy tonight. All right. Queen of clubs um, was Casey and the Sunshine Band. That, okay. That's right. Wow. See, I'm, yeah. I'm screwing up all my 70s I did not know here. that. Yeah. All right. Michael, anything else? Um, I think I've covered it. All right. Scores, what you got? I gave this my four. Wayne? Three. And this is my three. We're back to agreeing again, Wayne. We've got we've gotten the man I'll never bound be to happen. Out of out of out of our system. All right. Let's wrap this up. Believe it or not, we're we're last track. Don't be afraid. Back to Tom Schultz only on songwriting credits. Um, not much lyrically on this one. Yeah, I like the I like the I mean, I like the harmony vocal lines on when he sings "Girl, I think it's wrong. You just try to be strong now, babe." Not a great yeah. lyric, but I like I like the way that Brad Delp sings it. 
Yeah. All right. I don't. I don't have any notes on this. I think it's a good album closer. Yeah, I think so. Again, too. it keeps keeps the tempo up. Yeah. For 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 the album. Um, problem is, is this is the last song you're going to hear from them for eight years. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Um, for me, I think it. I like it that it rocks hard. I think Delp shows his power off vocally on this song. Uh, it might be my favorite drumming on the album by Sib, especially at the end of the uh, at the end of the song. I like the recurring riff. I like when they double it up with the harmony guitar line. And and you know, I, I hate that I have to give it as low a score as I have, but there's only eight songs on this record. I get it. I get it. What what you got for a score? I gave it my three. All right, Wayne. Anything on "Don't Be Afraid"? Um, I think he leans a little heavy on Babe lyrically, but other than that, I thought it was a great way to go out. I think even from a title standpoint, you open up with Don't Look Back and you end it with Don't Be Afraid. Um, but they did give it, I think, there were a few songs that kind of gotten out of that that classic Boston sound at least a little bit. And I think they come back to it here to uh, give the people what they want a little bit on the way out. Gotcha. All right. This is my five, Wayne. Yeah, also my five. Okay. Um, did we cover it? Did we miss anything? I did want to bring up that when I was researching this um, and just looking back at old reviews and stuff, I found some inexplicable slagging off of Brad Delp in, in some reviews. In the December 1978 stereo review, Steve... Demels, I think that might be how it's pronounced, says, Brad Delp, when you get right down to it, is utterly indistinguishable from about a zillion other heavy metal frontmen, and this lack of focus pretty much undercuts the rest of what they do, agreeable as it is. And then in, 19, in 1981, Robert Christgau said, Brad Delp's tenor is too thin for nasty cock rock distractions. Those, those are ridiculous comments. Yeah, I think a lot of people are knocking him off. I think there's a lot of other bands in the 70s and even the early 80s that were absolutely trying to sound like him. Yeah. Brad Delp is a feature, not a bug. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Um, any guesses on number one? Uh, Feeling satisfied. Yeah, that's probably... Feeling no. satisfied. Yep. Average score of seven. Um, don't look back. Average score of six point six six. That's our deuce. Um, actually, I shouldn't say that's our deuce. <laughs> that's, the, the, that's got a, the deuce got is, a negative the, connotation. The deuce, is, the, the, the deuce has the negative connotations for us. That's number two. Uh, we've got a tie for third. Um, Wayne tried to tank a man I'll never be out of the top five, but um, not successful. Uh, so that is tied with it's easy. And then Don't Be Afraid is our fifth. Okay. So um, I think we got it right. Yeah, we we nailed it. Wayne might disagree that Party's not in the top five. but uh, It hurts, but I, I will, I will uh, bend to uh, grab, the popular Grab opinion. another Corona and you'll be all right. Yeah. Michael, thanks for, thanks for picking the, um, the, the, the other one. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> no problem. I, like I said, I, I gave you a list and, and I'm happy to come back. Uh, if you need somebody in a pinch, you know, give me a call. I, I love doing this type of stuff. I've, I've had a great time on here with you guys. And 
I mean, it's it does give you a good excuse to go and revisit an album and listen to it on repeat for a while. I, I, I must have listened to this album about as much in the last week as I used to listen to it in a typical week when I was a kid. So it was it was fun reliving that. Yeah, we're um, I don't know, Wayne. What is what is your process? How 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 many times do you listen to an album before you score it? Oh, ten. I take the okay. scoring way too seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm about five. So I listen to this probably four more times than I ever have um, since the 80s. Because I, I know that I, I did get a copy of Don't Look Back on cassette right after I bought Third Stage on vinyl. Um, so I kind of went backwards. Um, Third Stage was my first Boston album. And then I went back and I bought the first two. And then um, I recently bought it on vinyl. So Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I got That was one of the, the ones I had to get. I, I had to get it on vinyl again when I bought my new uh, turntable. And it was one of the first yeah. few albums that I bought. And it's, and it's affordable. There's a lot of them out there. I think I bought a really good copy for about eight bucks, I think, total, um, after shipping. So not... Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. Pretty good. All right. Um so so tell us where you where people can find Michael's record collection. Well everything together is collected in one convenient place at, at Michael'sRecordCollection.com. Uh you can find me on Twitter at Mike's Records because there's too many uh too many characters for Michael's Record Collection, so it's just at Mike's yes, Records. There is. Uh and it's Michael's Record Collection on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. So you can find me in all those places. And I invite you to, to come, like, follow, subscribe, all of that stuff. Uh, the Substack newsletter is free. Uh, just go to substack.com slash Michael's Record Collection and uh, click the sign up and you'll get it every week in your mailbox and you can you can read it or not, depending on, on what your what your preferences are that week. Yeah, and I have to admit, I've I've read every one of your newsletters, but I have not listened to every one of your podcasts. That's fair. So sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I cheat a little bit, and I'm like, "Oh, that was that was a good interview, Michael. Good job." And then I don't <laughs> listen to your podcast. Uh, I have uh, I have a face for radio and a voice for print. Um, you just described Wayne and myself. So, <laughs> but at least we all, all right, nice uh, flowing heads of hair, right? <laughs> uh, we don't have that either. Okay. All right. Uh, as as a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes. Just go to recordsrevisitedpodcast.com for that. Um, also on the socials, find us at Facebook at Records Revisited Podcast for there. And um, I know all about the lack of of characters for for Twitter. So podcast records at podcast records on Twitter. Wayne is on the Instagram. Where are you there? At Records Revisited Podcast. And of course, don't forget to join our Patreon to get episodes a week early. If you can contribute at the guest revisitor level, you could join us on an episode to talk about one of your favorite records. And we're we're doing a number of those episodes right now. Go to patreon.com slash records revisited podcast for all the details on that. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. Uh, go to a live show. They're they're back out there. Um, just make sure that you're doing it safely. Uh, buy a t-shirt of the band, 
uh, I'll have some details for you real soon about buying a t-shirt of the podcast as well. More, more to come on that. Uh, make sure you visit a record store and not just on record store day. We are records revisited and we are out. out.